0: Hi, it's Connor Svensson here, founder and CEO of Web3 Labs. Welcome back to another episode of the Web3 Innovators podcast. In today's episode, I'm sharing a Web3 perspective. I'm a big believer in the premise and utility of Web3. However, I'm no speculator. If you want to cut through the hype and develop your own insights on Web3 and where we're heading, keep listening. Finally, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review. The DeFi Dilemma. Can it fulfil its promise? Earlier this year DeFi faced a crisis with one of the stalwarts of the ecosystem, Curve Finance. Curve is a leading decentralized exchange popular with many DeFi users for its liquidity pools which enable depositors to earn a yield on a number of popular tokens. This includes Bitcoin, Ether and staked Ether tokens such as STETH and RETH, also stable coins such as USDC and USDT. What has made Curve so popular is that in addition to earning a yield on their deposits, liquidity providers can boost their earnings significantly through Curve's governance token CRV. For instance, in Curve's most popular pool, 3Pool, it consists of DAI, USDC and USDT, The base APY on the pool is 0.85% however this can be boosted significantly in CRV rewards by locking up their CRV token. You can then further boost this return via convex finance and earn additional returns via their CVX token. We saw earlier this year Curve announcing that there had been a re-entrancy exploit in some of their pools. It was caused by a bug with an old version of the Viper compiler. The bug allowed attackers to drain certain curve pools and a total of approximately $62 million was extracted. Like Solidity, Viper is a smart contract development language for Ethereum. Viper is the second most popular smart contract language after Solidity and is based on the widely used Python programming language. However, it's responsible for securing under $3 billion of the TVL locked in DeFi against what was at the time $66 billion secured with Solidity. Now, if it wasn't just the Viper bug that was the issue, Curve's founder Michael Egorov had pledged 34% of CRV's total market cap across a number of DeFi protocols. This meant that if CRV's token started plummeting below a certain threshold, the CRV collateral would start flooding the market in order to liquidate the position. In order to shore up Curve, Justin Sun, the controversial founder of the Tron blockchain, stepped in with others to purchase CRV and help stabilize prices. As Ryan of Bankless pointed out, the potential CRV selling pressure was plain and simple leverage going wrong. But people really should be paying attention to who holds the tokens associated with the DeFi protocols they're using and what these holders are doing with them. The net effect is that Curve managed to survive this time around, but it does highlight clear issues facing DeFi more broadly. Developers face an endless game of cat and mouse with malicious hackers trying to find vulnerabilities and exploit their code. In the past, this was constrained to corporate systems that sat behind firewalls, which often required social engineering or lax security practices to get into. Public blockchains changed this. In creating decentralised applications, huge honeypots of cryptocurrencies were created for attackers to focus their energies on. Why jump through all the hoops to exploit institutions when you have hundreds of millions of dollars available on public blockchain networks? Anyone who has spent significant time working with with developers, will appreciate just how time consuming development is. No code is ever perfect or complete, there are always ways in which it can be improved or optimized. This includes the identification of vulnerabilities which can often lay dormant for years before being discovered. The Heartbleed OpenSSL vulnerability of 2014 is one such example, which was caused by a change made in 2012 to the code base. It is estimated that 17% of the secure web servers were exposed to the vulnerability when it was detected. The exploit enabled an attacker to retrieve encryption keys on servers and impersonate others accessing them.
1: Navigating complex blockchain data shouldn't hold you back. Introducing Chainlens Blockchain Explorer, your user-centric gateway to the blockchain universe. Unlike traditional explorers, Chainlens focuses on your needs, no more overwhelming blocks and transactions, we're all about your experience. Chainlens revolutionizes the way you see blockchain. With customizable lenses, you see what you want, when you want it. From tokens to NFTs, it's all at your fingertips. And guess what? You don't need to be a tech guru. Our clean interface and easy-to-use API make blockchain accessible to everyone. Say goodbye to cryptic hexadecimal and hello to a new perspective. Join the future of blockchain exploration. Visit ChainLens.com and experience the difference today. ChainLens, see the blockchain your way.
0: Back in 2017, we also saw Parity Technologies' multi-sig wallet exploited to the tune of over 150,000 Ether, which was around about $300 million in today's prices. This was caused by a vulnerability in a library dependency. In the years since, there have been countless further exploits. It will never be possible to eliminate errors in code. Even with AI techniques, the underlying large language models are trained on code that has been created by fallible humans. Can we ever reach a point where decentralized finance can truly fulfill its potential? I do see areas of the ecosystem in which I have great confidence, such as Circle's USDC. However, they control token issuance and are very transparent in how they operate as a business, including providing audited reports of their reserves. Also, with base network protocols such as Ethereum. While I don't envisage any events on the horizon that could threaten the solvency of Ether or the security of the entire Ethereum network, as there are ways to recover from major events as the DAO hack once demonstrated, although few in the Ethereum community would be supportive of this level of meddling again, Where I believe the problem lies is in the ability to stack app upon app and create complex positions spread across multiple DeFi apps. This is where someone deposits tokens with Curve, deposits the CRV into Convex for a yield boost and may further lock up the CVX tokens. Curve may be one of the stalwarts of DeFi. However, with each additional DeFi protocol used, the risk to users increases significantly. With each DeFi protocol, there will be a small number of developers who truly understand how their smart contracts work. When you combine a number of protocols together, that number becomes even smaller. This means that a very small proportion of users will have any idea of how safe their funds really are and instead is simply chasing the advertised yields. Teams do take measures such as engaging auditors to help verify their contract source code. But are those auditors engaged with every change? Are those auditors constantly monitoring all dependencies for updates or vulnerabilities? Even if they are, some exploits will still slip through. I believe that for DeFi applications to go mainstream, we will need greater protection for users. This could be in the form of institutions that have enough capital to make good for their users in the event of exploits, or simply insurance for them. Perhaps centralised exchanges will end up being the gateway that many use. Seeing how Coinbase's base network evolves in this regard will be very interesting as they will have the ability to provide backstops in the network. It is incredible the amount of value that has been locked in the DeFi ecosystem during the past few years. However, from a personal perspective, I still don't feel comfortable putting any meaningful amount of funds into DeFi protocols unless I can monitor what I'm doing with them around the clock. I have fewer concerns with stablecoins such as USDC and also Ether, as there's far more transparency with how they operate which doesn't require digging through smart contract code. Without some breakthrough in how user funds can be protected, I do think that many DeFi protocols will remain niche applications for those users who really understand what they're doing, especially now as you can deposit funds with normal banks for 4-5% yields which come with government guarantees. The risk tied with DeFi simply isn't worth it. I remain an ardent supporter of blockchain and Web3 as I ever have, but parts of DeFi still feel like high stakes games of poker and I'm no gambler. Thanks for listening. That's it for this episode. I have one favour to ask. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe button and leave a review. I provide these perspectives as I believe Web3 is the greatest innovation to emerge since the internet. If you want to get smarter about Web3, you can head to web3perspectives.com for more insights.